through the hallways of academia and on the face of the moon the footprints of conquest haven't left us any room to say Greetings and welcome to the 53rd edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this month of September 2020. This is Emily Ann Lorenzen, WLRN's newest member. I'm from Sacramento, California. I'm 30 years old and a single mother. I'm a writer, an editor, and a lesbian radical feminist, and I'm delighted to use my skills and service to WLRN. It is an honor to give back to women and the radical feminist community. This month's edition focuses on Black American women who would rather find a home in feminism than the mainstream, male-dominated Black Lives Matter movement. We'll hear an excerpt of an interview Sekhmet Shi'al did with Tracy Neal, a Black radical feminist from Detroit who believes in the need for Black women to carve out their own Black feminist politics that center their needs. Our September podcast is rounded off by powerful commentary from WLRN's Daniel Whitaker on this topic, representative of how many of us feel in the WLRN collective. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical, The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start up today's edition, here's yours truly with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. Last month, WLRN reported that California Assembly Bill 2218, which would provide public funding for cross-sex hormones and invasive surgeries, was stalled until at least the end of the year. Since then, WLRN has learned that some senators in California have reactivated the bill and that the Women's Liberation Front, or WOLF, is urging people who live in California to write to their senators to try to stall it again and eventually kill it. According to WOLF's newsletter, The reason some senators have reactivated the bill is because there's no mention of how the hormones and surgeries lead to sterility in the bill. Hundreds of constituents contacted their senators urging them to vote no, and Dr. Michael K. Laidlaw, specialist in endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism, provided written testimony on August 8th against the bill, stating that, quote, Purity-blocking medications, high-dose cross-sex hormones, and gonad removal lead to permanent sterility, end quote. 
WLRN caught up with feminist lawyer Kara Dansky to find out why this bill is coming up again. California AB 2218 is a bill that would provide public funding for hormones and surgery for people who claim to quote-unquote identify as trans. And the concerning part of this is that it does not include any age limits. I should say it's all quite concerning, but the particularly concerning part is that it does not include age limits, which would mean that it would provide public funding for children who quote-unquote self-identify as trans. And what happened since we last spoke is that when we talked, the head of the committee that was considering the bill had tabled it. And at that time, it seemed very significant because the head of the committee is a Democrat, and most of us in the radical feminist community had not heard of a Democrat taking a stance against trans-affirming medical procedures. And so that seems significant at the time. Now the bill is back, and I don't think it's possible to speculate about why it's back or exactly what happened to trigger it being back. But what I can say is that it's back with amendments. And one of the amendments is that in its previous form, the bill purported to fund, quote unquote, trans-led organizations and hospitals, healthcare clinics, and other medical providers. And now it wants to fund organizations serving people that identify as transgender, gender nonconforming, or intersex. And so the significant part of that seems to be that while it used to want to fund organizations that were led by quote unquote trans identified individuals, Now it just wants to fund organizations that provide these hormones and medical treatment. And it also now includes the term intersex, which it previously did not. And it strikes me that perhaps the addition of the term intersex is meant to bring some legitimacy to what would otherwise be an absolutely outrageous bill. Somalia's parliament is considering a bill that would legalize child marriage. According to the bill, a girl would be eligible to marry once her sex organs are fully developed, and she could be forced into marriage with her parents' consent. In 2013, Somalia told the UN that they would implement better sexual violence laws. Since then, they have not passed a new sexual offenses bill because the Speaker of the House of the People in Somalia sent the bill back in a possibly illegal fashion requesting, quote, substantive amendments, unquote, according to Pramila Patton, the UN Special Representative on Sexual Violence and Conflict. The original bill would have been, quote, vital in preventing and criminalizing all sexual offenses, unquote. A petition against the bill is circulating in Somalia. Women's rights groups worry that this bill will make women's and girls' lives worse in a country where violence against women, female genital mutilation, and child marriages are on the rise. In Belarus, protests have broken out amid suspicion that their presidential election was rigged after the results came out 80% in favor of Alexander Lukashenko who has been in power for 26 years. 
The opposition candidate was Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, a stay-at-home mother who decided to run after her husband, YouTuber Sergei Tikhanovsky, was arrested two days after announcing his plan to run for president. He was charged with, quote, plotting mass disturbances, unquote. Svetlana gained unexpected popularity, and she represented a symbol of hope for a better future in Belarus. Lukashenko said in reaction to Svetlana running for president that, quote, our constitution is not for women, unquote. She has left the country to keep her children safe. Women have formed, quote, solidarity chains, unquote, throughout Belarus to condemn the violence the protesters have faced from police. According to the BBC, quote, thousands of people have been arrested and at least two have died, unquote. Many protesters have also been seriously injured. The Tobias Literary Agency fired Sasha White, an American assistant literary agent, for tweets about trans-identified males not being biologically female. She retweeted, quote, Trans women being vulnerable to male violence does not make you women, unquote. After she was fired, she tweeted, quote, The Twitter mob came for me and my employer and my employer immediately terminated me." Unquote. The Tobias Literary Agency tweeted, quote, We do not have room for any anti-trans sentiments at TLA, period. Thus we have parted ways with Sasha. Unquote. This tweet has since been deleted. They also donated to a black trans charity after firing her. Hashtag, I stand with Sasha White trended on August 25th with many people voicing their solidarity with her. In the UK, Susie Ierson, a 51-year-old mother, was questioned by police for hate speech after posting a picture of pro-JK Rowling and pro-women's rights stickers on Facebook. One read, quote, Modern day witch hunts. I refuse to bow down, unquote, with an image of a sorting hat from Harry Potter. Another read, quote, Don't flush our rights down the toilet protect single-sex spaces, unquote. These stickers were seen throughout Torquay, Devon, where she was on holiday, but Ierson denies putting them up. She said, quote, I asked what crime was committed. They said they weren't sure, but it was to do with stickers on the seafront, unquote. Devon and Cornwall police said that they spoke with, quote, an individual about stickers of a potentially hateful nature, unquote. Ierson is from Hungerford Berks and said, quote, I know lots of women concerned about women's rights, not least losing our loos in changing rooms, who've been questioned by police, unquote. Iran is experiencing its own hashtag MeToo movement as women tweet about their experiences with sexual abuse and some women are naming or alluding to high-profile men. The police have arrested a man after several women claimed they were raped by him. Most Iranian women do not come forward when they are abused due to Islamic laws that often favor men, social taboos, victim blaming, and a lack of education around sexual issues. Former Iranian journalist Sarah Omatali also came forward about her sexual assault. And she said that this movement is creating the opportunity for, quote, a public discussion and it creates precious opportunity for education, unquote. Women's rights advocate Susan Tomasebi said that this movement, quote, raises awareness among women survivors of rape 
and sexual assault, sending them the message that they are not to blame and that they will be safe in coming forward." Unquote. Surrogacy is gaining popularity in East Asian countries, such as China, Korea, and Japan. International surrogacy is traditionally seen as white Western women exploiting women of color in underdeveloped countries. But as sociologist Yoshi Yanagihara explains, quote, the current situation in Asia flips this perspective, with white women regarded as easier targets for exploitation by wealthy people of color. For Asian clients, Westerners can be easily regarded as others whom they can use for their reproductive needs, unquote. In Japan, the media and celebrities have created a narrative that Western women make good surrogates due to their, quote, Christian altruism, unquote. Yanagihara predicts that, quote, the growing East Asian surrogacy market will create, or in the case of Japan, has already created, a rhetoric about Western surrogates. Once the triumph of persuasive rhetoric makes Western women convenient surrogates, it exposes them to become a target of supply for the market, unquote. In the Australian state of Victoria, changes to the Judicial Proceedings Reports Act makes it illegal for anyone to, quote, publicly disseminate information that leads to the identification of a victim of sexual assault, unquote. This includes the victims themselves, so they cannot discuss their experiences through the media, online, or the publication of a book without using a pseudonym. Those opposed to the amendment call it a, quote, gag law, unquote, and they have begun the hashtag Let Us Speak campaign, demanding change. Campaigner Nina Funnel said, quote, This has been described as a win for pedophiles and rapists, and as a huge blow to survivors who no longer had the legal right to speak out, unquote. In other Australian states, victims can waive their right to anonymity, but in Victoria, they would have to receive approval from the court, which can be expensive. Egypt passed a law that protects the identity of women who report sexual harassment or assault, which might encourage women to come forward in the conservative country where they face social stigma. Hundreds of women have shared their stories of sexual abuse online in their own hashtag MeToo movement, and the National Council for Women received 400 complaints regarding violence against women after two high-profile cases involving sexual assault were made public. This law comes as good news for Egyptian women, especially since in 2017, a Thomas Reuters Foundation poll revealed that Cairo is the, quote, most dangerous megacity for women, unquote. Climate change has led to a rise in child marriage in Kenya. The practice has been illegal since 1990, but droughts, locusts, and flash floods have in part caused a resurgence in child marriage. Girls are taken out of schools and are married off, quote, in exchange for dowries, typically comprised of new clothes, drums of fresh milk, and several camels, unquote. According to a June 2020 report by the United Nations Population Fund, quote, dowry practices are exacerbated in times of crisis and displacement, such as drought, and contribute to higher prevalence of child marriage, unquote. Globally, about 650 million girls and women alive today were married off as children, 
and an average of 33,000 underage girls are married off every day. Emily Beggs, Claire Pfeiffer, and Wei Ho are suing the State Treasury Department in Michigan to end sales and use taxes on feminine hygiene products. These women allege that, quote, the taxes violate equal protection clauses of the state and the U.S. constitutions because they discriminate based on sex, unquote. Their lawyer, Joanne Fakery, said, quote, the constitution is clear. It's a discriminatory tax. For the government to impose a burden on a product that women must use, it's a tax on women for being women, unquote. The women argue that essential items such as food, prescriptions, and over-the-counter drugs are not taxed, but menstrual products are, despite being medically necessary. Over the past four years, the number of states still taxing menstrual products has gone down from 40 to 30 states. Since the pandemic, women accounted for 55% of job losses through April 2020, even though they make up 49% of the workforce. Laura Strasfeld is the co-founder of nonprofit Period Equity, and she is the co-counsel in this case. She said, quote, Every year there's another reason why the tax can't be taken care of, and now in this first female recession of our lifetime, come on, take care of it, unquote. The Women's Human Rights Campaign, or WHRC, launched last month in the United States with the intention of gaining more signatories on the Declaration on Sex-Based Rights and to build a grassroots women's movement in the U.S. to lobby policymakers to maintain language in the law that protects girls' and women's rights on the basis of biological sex and not on the concept of, quote, gender identity, unquote, which renders sex distinctions meaningless. WLRN did a special edition podcast on this event that you can find under our podcast tab on our WordPress site that includes an interview with Bajra Ma, co-chair of the steering committee of the American group. The WHRC USA is recruiting volunteers in every state in the U.S. to form chapters to build solidarity, sisterhood, and a network to lobby officials to change the current wording of the Equality Act before it passes so that sex and, quote, gender identity, unquote, are not conflated. To learn more about the campaign and to sign the declaration, visit womensdeclaration.com. That's womensdeclaration, all one word, dot com. That concludes WLRN's World News segment for Thursday, September 3rd. I'm Emily Ann Lorenzen. Share your news stories and tips with us by emailing wlrnewscontact at gmail.com and let us know what's going on.
afflicted again and again What do they call me? My name is Aunt Sarah yellow My hair is long Between two worlds I do belong My father was rich and white He forced my mother late one night What do they call me? My name is Sophronia. My name is Sophronia. My skin tan My hair is fine My hips invite you My mouth like wine Whose little girl am I Anyone money to buy What do they call me My name is Sweet Thing My name is Sweet Thing That was Nina Simone with her song Four Women. Next up, we'll hear excerpts of an interview Sekmit did with Tracy Neal, black radical feminist from Detroit who came out to Milwaukee, Wisconsin for the WHRC actions and protests at the DNC last month. 
Tracy discovered radical feminism six years ago and credits Paula Giddings' book, When and Where I Enter, as kindling her feminist consciousness. She is the mother of daughters who she lives with. As far as I understand, you are not a participant in the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, whether in Detroit or otherwise. Um, so I was I was hoping that you could tell us why that is, you know, your your feelings about the movement um, and whether there's any difference, uh, as far as you know, between the movement in Detroit and the movement elsewhere. Yeah, I, I do not fuck with Black Lives Matter because they censor Black men. That's why. And pretending to be women. And Black men are not Black women. And I don't appreciate them embracing men and pretending to be us. Um, we have it hard, black women. We have it hard already. We're already being told that we're not taught feminine enough. That we're men. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're big. And, you know, all of this shit. And then they decide, oh, so-called trans women are women and they need protection. But this is the same male, black male professor that is raping, murdering, maiming, and abducting us. So, you know, they, they, it, it just angers me how black men can say, oh, we're, we're women, we're women, but, you know, nothing about the black male violence against black women and girls. So we're supposed to feel safe going into spaces to marches with men claiming to be us. And I, I think Black Lives Matter is helping to erase black women. And that's two reasons why I do not fuck with them. I don't think they care about black women. I think they mentioned Breonna Taylor, um, Sandra Bland as side dishes. Oh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. It's, it's like a side note and afterthought. We are. It's reflected in the community. When the um, officer, I believe in Oklahoma, was raping the black women, so few people showed up. Now, I don't know if Black Lives Matter showed up or not, but it was just a, a small amount of protest for those black women that were being raped by that police officer. And if Black Lives Matter was there, there were just a few of them. Very few people come out and march for us for our right to learn, to breathe in the black community or what a lot of us divested black women call black escape. We are, I mean, we are, we're being held captive. We truly are. And when we speak, we get the not all me, not all black people right. shut up. You know, and it's wrong. It's just wrong. Uh, I, I don't appreciate their actions. Um, at all. And then you wouldn't know, really, that black women are um, killed by police, really. Um, you wouldn't know that we suffer injustice. I suffer injustice. But black men in all of these organizations are always the face of um, oppression, black oppression. They're, they're always the face of injustice. So that's why I just have no interest in it. 
Black Lives Matter. Years ago, I used to protest for the black men being killed by police. And I'm like, you know, you go to the march, then when you all go back home or back into the community, the black men are telling you how you have to submit as a black woman. Or you don't bring that brother down, don't talk about him sexually accosting um, that sister. You know, or let's just keep it in the community. You know, no, no one cares about black women and girls in the black community. So, to me, black lives does not matter. They don't matter. They don't. This is a male-centered organization. So... Um, I did want to come back briefly to what you were saying about racism in the radical feminist community, because I think that's a, a really, it's a really important issue. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be an issue that most white women or even other non-black women want to discuss in those so-called feminist spaces. Um, which does not surprise me, but it's it's still, you know frustrating and disappointing so could you just speak a little bit more about the fact that you as a black woman and feminist feel like just because you happen to be a woman and a feminist yourself doesn't mean that like your racism is okay right yeah um you know like i said you know experienced it personally. I remember um, I think a couple years ago uh, it was in Chicago and radical feminist and I'm thinking okay, I was going to go and I'm like, well, you know what, while we're there we need to make our presence known to the women and girls that have been subjected to the pedophile R. Kelly. And that was just completely Dismissed. It was completely dismissed. And I'm like, how are feminists going to Chicago? But R. Kelly preyed on so many So our issues are ignored, and I, I just see that as, as racist. It is. And even when white women say, oh, you're, you're angry, everything's not about race, that's racist, because it is. Everything is about race. When you are a black woman, it absolutely is. Our race, our skin tone, our hair impacts us. How we're mistreated, how well we're treated. It's always about race, and I just find white women do not want to talk about it. They want us to shut up, um, you know, they gaslighting, and, you know, I'm not racist, and, you know, you're Yeah. 
Right. I want white women aren't interested. I mean, I can just see they don't even post about us. You know, they'll post black men, or if it's if maybe if a white man has done something to a black woman, but they don't post about the um, brutality we are dealing with in the black community, so-called community, because it's really not. I think that's a good thing because <laughs> why why waste your time um you know i just want to briefly say something about you know the angry black woman stereotype because you've brought it up many times at this point and i just you know when that kind of comment is coming from another woman who is supposedly a feminist my like I just, I'm not entirely sure why that's a criticism, you know, like, because from my perspective, it's like, well, if you are a woman of any race, anger should be one of your primary emotions, you know, like it should be, you have, we have a lot to be pissed off about, you know, as women. And then you add the race aspect on top of that, you know, if you're a black woman, then it's like, uh, it's, you know, I, I forget now if this is a quote from a black activist of the past or, you know, because it's a sentiment I've heard before, maybe not in these exact words. But it, to me, it's like if if you are a black woman and you're not pissed off about something, then it's probably because you're not paying attention or you're in denial or you're you're trying to be nice to the people who treat you like shit and it's like i will never understand why the accusation of oh well you're just an angry person is supposed to be a criticism it's like well if i have a righteous reason to be angry then yeah i'm angry so like how why that's not a response (laughs) you know like yeah well i i'll tell you where it comes from it's that angry black woman shit directly from uh, black men and then I've had black men tell me oh, we, we're not misogynist black men are misogynist we're not oppressive we don't have economic power and bullshit because they have used media against black women for generations to portray us as ugly angry uh, 
we're black women are not allowed to be and we're not angry enough actually but we're not allowed to be angry mm-hmm. and we um, black men love to tell us tell the world that other women asian women white women latino women are more feminine so anger to them is masculine. Right. So when we're being angry, oh, we're being like, we're not soft, we're not vulnerable. So it's a, it's a shame to be so-called angry. And but, you know, to have white women say that shit, the same language that black men use, that's why I said it's like they sat in black men's classrooms and, you know, they listen to the lectures, they take the notes. <laughs> black women are girls. Okay, we got it now. So they use the same language. And it, it's so disgusting. It, it really is. I do not mind saying, yes, I'm an angry black woman. Sure am. Yes, I am. I'm not, I'm not angry enough. I'm not angry enough. And if we were so angry, though, the black community would be it, beautiful. There, there would be no violence because we would get rid of the problem. And the problem is black men. So we, we're, we're not angry enough. So there, there would just be an all-out war, guerrilla warfare. We're probably worse at You have referred to colorism several times so far. Just, you know, for people who don't know what colorism is, could you just briefly explain it? Yeah. Colorism is basically a grading system. Um, if you're so-called too dark, um, you're not pretty. As a woman, you you seem to apply really or impact black women. I mean, I know black men experience colorism, but I'm saying to the degree, it's black women. Um, so it's being called a paper bag test that um, mm-hmm. I understand black people used to do. So um, it, it might be based off of that, but the dark you are as a black woman the more so-called masculine um, you are the more you're finding is for a few um, the more you don't deserve nice things if you are a child that might be a father than the other siblings you, you would be targeted just mistreated so that's what colorism is what black people do Darker skin, black women. I remember, you know, as a kid, you know, I would fall down for myself. Oh, shut up, you're all right, but a lighter skin girl fell and hurt herself. Everybody would run to her and console her. So, as far as addressing colorism goes, if you're a woman, that would look like, you know, calling it out when men are expressing it. Um, what else would you say is a way for women to address that? Yeah, call it out. Get to know black women. Stop listening to those motherfuckers. So-called educate you on who black women are. You know, so many white women believe Black men's lives that we're jealous of them. You know? So, you know, there's some triangulation that's been going on a long time. Uh-huh. It would be nice if they just stopped this 
one thing to believe that shit. And I was uh, talking about um, how they use media over these um, years. You know, mm-hmm. Bush has done it. Um, Fred Sanford, um, um, I mean, Red Fox, you know, with that show. But they're always making us the train of ugly and unattractive. Yeah, call it out when, when, when they're talking with black men. You know, when. When they say, oh, you know, I don't date black women because so-and-so, just hold your hand up and say, Scott, I don't want to hear that, or I know better, you know, or just say, hey, you're being, you're being colorist. You know, you're being fucking colorist. I, I don't let white men tell me about white women. Mm-hmm. No man, white, native, whatever can tell me shit about any woman on this planet can I define any woman on this planet because I know men are misogynistic and I know men they recreate they lie about history they can't tell me shit so I want white women and not black women to um, develop that attitude mm-hmm. maybe we get to here so speak out, speak over, speak under, speak through the noise. Speak loud so I can hear you. I want to know you. I want to hear your real voice. I want to hear your real voice. Your real This, 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 this is WLRN. 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 Women's Liberation Radio Women's News. Liberation Radio Women's News. Liberation Radio Women's Liberation Radio News. Women's Liberation Radio News. Describing the intersectionality of race and sex-based oppression, Black feminist writer Bell Hooks described racism as a divisive force separating Black men and white men, and sexism as a force that unites the two groups. Decades ago, Hooks exposed what few individuals, aside from radical feminists, have been willing to acknowledge in the fight against racism. As in virtually all sectors of society, Women have been secondary at best in the anti-racist movements of both the past and present. As with Black Lives Matter, despite the overwhelming support and vital contributions of Black women, the civil rights movement was largely controlled by men and served the interests of men, even to the point of focusing efforts on reclaiming male dominance and enforcing patriarchy within the Black community. As important and necessary as anti-racist efforts are, the movements we have witnessed have always maintained the same patriarchal structures we see throughout the world. Black women activists have been at the forefront of the BLM movement since its inception, standing up for men, 
but we still have not seen equivalent numbers of black men leading the fight for black women. The amount of media attention that men have received within BLM does not compare by any standards to the attention, or rather lack thereof, received by their female counterparts, such as Breonna Taylor, Sandra Bland, Rakia Boyd, Shelley Frey, Sharice Francis, Taisha Miller, and countless others. The Say Her Name hashtag, created to promote visibility for black female victims of police brutality, has received nowhere near the level of recognition as BLM. Even now, it is primarily within feminist and women-centered media that I have witnessed any significant coverage of Breonna Taylor, the 26-year-old black woman killed by police in her own home in March 2020. What's more shocking is that Taylor's murder occurred in March, yet I didn't hear her name until after the tragedy of George Floyd catalyzed the social transformation we are witnessing today. The reality is, no black woman's death would have sparked the current movement taking hold across the globe. They say black lives matter, but the unspoken truth is that black men's lives matter more than black women's. We cannot pretend that racism nor any form of oppression exists in a bubble. We cannot fight racism at the root without also criticizing capitalism, imperialism, and of course, misogyny. We cannot pretend that racism affects men and women in the same way, at the same level. Black women face a uniquely compounded form of discrimination due to their sex as well as their race, and to ignore one or the other is a blatant disservice to their class. As white people, our aim should be to use our white privilege to fight racism and show solidarity with black people who are terrorized, murdered, and discriminated against in all spheres of our American life. As women and feminists, we especially wish to highlight the police violence aimed at black women. Unfortunately, radical feminists and others critical of transgender ideology are now experiencing the same ostracization from BLM that they have experienced in recent years within other left-leaning movements and organizations. As it has done with so many other human rights efforts, the religion of gender identity has now hitched its wagon to the anti-racist movement as well. Every time I see Black Trans Lives Matter, the individuals referenced are male. Even black women who criticize trans ideology are being excluded from BLM. Like Alicia Strada, who was beaten for refusing to use compelled pronouns. Not unlike the way lesbians are being condemned by the lesbophobic queer culture, formerly known as the same-sex rights movement, and the way women as a whole are being marginalized within liberal feminism to prioritize the demands of men who identify as women. As long as leftist movements continue to allow the parasitic trans movement to latch onto their efforts and hijack their visibility, Women who express criticism of its misogynistic ideology will be hindered from participating in causes like Black Lives Matter. This narcissistic trend of thought policing and cancel culture impacts the feasibility of movements like BLM to truly address racism at the root, which includes the reality of how black women experience racism differently. This requires us to acknowledge the sex-based oppression that gender ideology forbids us from naming. If we can understand institutional race-based oppression, yet deny institutional sex-based oppression, 
All of our activism, soapbox lamentations, and efforts for woke points are grounded only in what's popular and acceptable to speak up against in the given moment. If most people around us are agreeing with everything we say, what are we really challenging? Sure, it's easy to stand up to bigoted right-wingers, but are we willing to stand up to our peers, our fellow leftists? Black lesbian feminist Linda Bellos stated in a 2018 interview, the social construction of roles attributed to males and females is as dangerous and damaging to those attributed to black and or white people. These are man-made concepts and I for one reject them. I think and believe that we are all different, unique human beings in our rich diversity and that race and gender are oppressive notions. As white people, we are encouraged to listen to the stories and voices of black individuals. And that is what I am asking of you today. Please listen to women like Linda Bellos and other black feminists who are active right now, like Allison Bailey, who has received extreme backlash for her support of the new LGB Alliance and lesbian rights. Read the works of Audre Lorde and Bell Hooks. Read Kimberlé Crenshaw's original essay, coining the concept of intersectionality. Read and listen to Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Read and watch interviews, actual interviews, not social media propaganda, with Stormé de Larvery, the black butch lesbian who led the Stonewall riots and who is being erased from her own history. In my case, I was influenced by racist ideology in all sorts of subtle ways growing up. Those subtle ways where you hear, racism is bad, but witness something much different within your family and the world around you. Ingrained racism is something all white people must acknowledge and fight, no matter how woke we think we are. I was not always an anti-racist nor a feminist. I grew up hearing the racist ideals of people I trusted. I once subscribed to the mythology of heteropatriarchal religion. I once fully bought into gender ideology even identifying as trans in my 20s. I grew into new ways of thinking and acting only when I was willing to challenge my deeply held convictions and not a moment sooner. Only when I actively sought to educate myself. And this isn't easy. It isn't fun. It's uncomfortable. It's underratedly embarrassing for it requires us to admit to others and ourselves, I was wrong. I have had those uncomfortable conversations with those closest to me. I have risked and lost relationships and friendships. That's what happens when we cast off our old thoughts and dare to grow. I'm still wrong about many things, no doubt. I certainly hope my growth is not complete, but it is no one else's job to educate me. We all have access to virtually unlimited information at our fingertips. The ability to conduct our own research to verify facts and sources, to expose underlying agendas and biases, including and especially our own. We are all adults, capable of reason and critical thinking. The best and bravest thing we can do is to turn that critical eye on ourselves. If we cling so tightly to the ideals that feel comfortable to us, to the beliefs we hold as intrinsic to the sense of self we want to embody and project to the world, to the opinions that keep us in good standing with family and friends, instead of challenging everything we think we know. That is when we die inside. And collectively, if we all do this, 
That is when our movements for real social justice also die, and we are left again with the same old racism, homophobia, sexism, and classism our society is built upon. Thanks for listening to WLRN's September 2020 podcast on women in the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm April No. WLRN would like to thank our guests this month for sharing her views on the topic of women in BLM. Thank you so much, Tracy Neal, for speaking with us and sharing your stories and thoughts. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to WLRN. If you like what you're hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the Donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation as well. If you're interested in joining our team, we are always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. Click on our Volunteer for WLRN tab on our WordPress site for information on how to apply. Thanks for listening. This is Danny Whitaker signing off for now. And I'm Sekhmet Sheowl. Thanks for tuning in. Next month on the podcast, we'll talk the U.S. presidential elections. We thought the subject holds an apropos amount of horror to ring in the Halloween season. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for October's edition on Thursday the 1st, the night of the full moon. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interview is released, please sign up on the WLRN WordPress site. Keep fighting the good fight. Thanks for listening. This is Jenna DeQuarto signing off on another edition of WLRN's monthly handcrafted podcast. We recognize the sound quality issues with this edition's interview. Edition 53 is an especially important one, and in an effort to make sure our sister Tracy's voice is heard, we'll be talking to her again later this month. Stay tuned for that extended interview. For now, we've released a transcript of the interview to help clarify the audio. A full transcript of today's edition will follow. We are 100% volunteer-run here at WLRN, and we thank you for staying tuned despite technical difficulties. You can follow WLRN on Twitter, Facebook, Spinster, and SoundCloud, in addition to our WordPress site. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thanks for your support. We would love to hear from you, so please comment, like, and share widely. But how will we find our way out of this? What is the antidote for the patriarchal kiss? shown and then after that where is home tell me where is my home cause gender hurts